Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about the Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in Placentia, California at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Rhonda, the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to play the Oklahoma Sooners on Saturday. Here's how this is going to go down. All right? If Ohio State wins, I will bring a hat for you to wear that says Ohio State that you will wear. If Oklahoma wins, you will bring some sort of thing that I will have up here. Right? All right? All right? That's how we're going to do it. Boomer Sooner? What, what kind of battle cry is that? That's awful. All right, now, um, ladies and gentlemen, your attendance here is, is, a, is a very big deal because today is football. And for those of you that have, have fired up the DVR and, and are, are avoiding looking at your phones for the next hour, I, I just want to say I'm proud of you. God honors your sacrifice. Uh, so, hey, I don't want to know any score, so don't, don't come talk to me. Oh, did you see what your Browns? No, no, I want to go in fresh, all right? So no conversations. A um, couple of things. If you're new to our community, we want to welcome you. Our name is Vox, that means voice, and uh, we think Latin is cool, and, uh, and, and I have a great voice, and so we thought that'd be a great name for a church. Now, really, uh, but there are a couple of things we want to let you know about. First of all, There is a website you must memorize, voxoc.com. You'll find out more information about us. There's a little link there that you can give us your information, uh, and we can keep you up to date about what's going on. Also, uh, there's a form there uh, to to let us know that you are here today. Um, We have an email address that's feedback at voxoc.com if you want to give us any feedback about this morning. Prayer at voxoc.com, um, if we can pray for anything, and then care at voxoc.com, uh, and that's for folks who, um, who are in crisis, and, uh, and we've got resources to help. And, and then we're just going to, I think we'll start adding some more, like, uh, recovering boomer sooners at voxoc.com. Now, uh, you've, you've picked a really good day to, to show up. Uh, because we're bringing shaved ice back, all right? So, so today is our second of all time, second shaved ice social, all right? So is free, yep, shaved ice social. Uh, it is a shaved ice social. Uh, so right after the service, free shaved ice, you only get one, all right? All right, David, you only get one. I don't care how tall you are, you get one shaved ice. All right, now, next week, um, next week, I mean, this is, because we're three months old, we can do anything. We can do anything we want. And what we want is a kickball tournament. And so next, next Sunday, next Sunday, bless you, we have these fields in the back of the school that are just sitting there crying to be utilized. So we, we want you to come dressed in kickball gear. We have sign-ups out there you will be put into teams. We will have two toddler teams with parents, right? And that's, that's the unimportant game. We don't care about that game. <laughs> and then we're going to have four adult teams, all right? Now, if you, if you play with kids on your team, there will be special rules that help. But the rest of us are totally cutthroat and competitive, all right? So uh, what we want you to do is we want you to sign up. And we want you to realize, hello, everybody, we have kickball next week. All right, that's very important that you understand this. 
All right, uh, I want to introduce you. This is what you're playing for. This is, Jordan, this is what you're playing for. Right here. Okay, the winning team. Right. We'll use this at Christmas. We'll put a lamp on it uh, in the Christmas story. This is the Vox Cup. Okay? The winning team will get their name inscribed right there. All right? This is a huge deal. A huge deal, brothers. Thank you, Cece. Thank you. That was... It's my lovely assistant, Cece. All right, so it's a, guys, it's a big deal. All right, so if you're not athletic, no, no, you're welcome. There's a toddler game. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally teasing. No, no, in all seriousness, this is, uh, we're going to have food. This is a way to get to know each other. That's all this is. The Vox Cup stuff will happen. You might as well just give it to my team. All right, uh, you're not allowed to stack your team. Even though you can sign up together, if we see, David, that you are stacking your team, we're just going to pull that sucker apart. We're just going to do it. Um, so any questions on the kickball tournament? So that's immediately after this service next week. Come dressed and ready. Now, if you don't want to play kickball and just want to come for food, fantastic. Because part of the deal is just, hey, get to know each other. So, and, if, and if you're not athletic, you're obviously, obviously so welcome. So, because, well, anyway. Um, uh, one last thing. Uh, we have something called a new to Vox dinner that we do every month. Uh, we just did September's. We have room for 50 people and they, they book pretty quickly. And so, uh, October just opened up. If you want to sign up, uh, that way it's on our website also. Okay. How many of you remember exactly where you were 15 years ago this morning? Do you remember exactly what was happening 15 years ago? Right? For like my, my son, my oldest son is 13. And for him, 9-11 is, you know, it's something he reads about or has seen on YouTube. Uh, but for many of us, right, we know exactly, I remember exact, the exact moment, exactly where I was, exactly how it felt, and exactly how that day and the days after went, right? So 15 years ago this morning. And uh, so what we thought we would do is it doesn't feel like the world's gotten much saner in 15 years. It's felt like it's gotten a bit crazier. I don't know about you. In the middle of a crazy election cycle, in the middle of all kinds of violence, internally in the, in the United States and externally around the world, we just felt like the call and the invitation to worship this morning needed to be framed in the midst of uh, the chaos of our world. And so um, go ahead and put the slide up, if you would. I put together... Uh, a picture that's given in Revelation chapter 4. And if you're new to the Bible, this is, this is full of imagery uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, but it, but it, it goes like this. Uh, the writer John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. He's having a vision. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. So this is a very Jewish way of saying and it, it's God's throne, obviously. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Next slide. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. And this is, uh, this is all Old Testament. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. Day and night, they never stop saying, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whatever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne, and then they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. One of the reasons why the book of Revelation is so powerful in the Christian imagination is because we get a picture of a throne at the center of the universe, and there's great news this morning. None of us are on it. None of us are on it. And for those to, for whom uh, this letter was relevant, right, the first century original listeners of, and readers of this, they were living in a world where Caesar claimed to be the center of the universe. And for them, the, news, the good news was that there is a throne at the center of the universe and Caesar's not on it. For us narcissists, you know, 2,000 years later, it's just great news to know we're not in charge of the universe. We can't control other people. We have a hard enough time controlling ourselves, right? The world is not ours to fix. And so 15 years after 9-11, when the world is still pretty terrifying and growing more so, 15 years after 9-11, when our elected officials proclaim they can fix all that's broken, the people of Jesus gather to remind themselves about the throne that sits at the center of the universe and that they're singing isn't the start of a worship service. We're just joining in a worship service that's been going on forever, right? So it's not like we, you know, when people will say things like, hey, yeah, and it was really powerful and God showed up. God, just to be clear, God doesn't show up anywhere. He's, he's kind of there already. I mean, can, agreed? He doesn't show up. We're the ones that show up. I mean, right? We've showed up today. It's not like our singing is going to be so awesome. God's going to go, oh, oh, look at that high school. That's incredible. I've got to show up and see what's going on there. No, we're actually hooking into something a lot bigger. And so for those of you that are followers of Jesus, we invite you to bring that image, the God who sits on the throne, to the forefront of your mind as we sing. For those of you that are new to church, new to Jesus, Man, feel free to just sit and watch, listen to the words, um, let questions kind of wash over you in terms of what's that mean and what's that mean. Please know you're just so unbelievably welcome here. But for the rest of us, we want to frame what's going on in the world with that image in mind. So let me pray and we'll just do that. So God, thank you that we come together today. Thank you for another day of life and breath. Thank you for another day of the grace to get out of bed. God, and we recognize that our world is unbelievably dark and the evil that is in our world just seems to be growing. And we also realize that there's darkness in our hearts, that in small and subtle ways we contribute. And God, we desperately need to be reminded that we're not the point and that human history does have a guiding hand and we're not just at the whims of the evil in the world that, that war and suffering and terrorism and politics and economies, none of those things have the last word over human history. And so God, would you refresh us this morning, renew our imaginations, that we might be people of hope, people of light and people of life. We bless you 
and thank you in the name of this Jesus. Amen. Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul my savior god to thee how great thou art how great thou sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration and then proclaim. My God, how great Thou art! How things my soul, my Savior God, to
You were just here for Izzy, I understand. I come up and you're like, I'm out of here. Guy makes me have to go to the bathroom or something, I don't know. <laughs> so so um, if you go to a football game, what's the verse that's going to be on the sign? John 3.16. What was the first verse besides Jesus wept that you memorized if you're old like me uh, in after school programs? John 3.16. Right? The, 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 if you're going to wear eye black and put a verse on there, right? Out the, John 3.16 is a good option. Uh, it's kind of, in uh, Christian circles, it's kind of the most famous expression of the central message of, uh, of Jesus. And so I want to put it up there. If you go ahead and put it up on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now go ahead and keep that up there if you would. We thought it would be interesting to spend uh, the entire fall looking at this one verse and looking at it phrase by phrase. It, because it's so familiar to Christians, um, one of the biggest dangers of, of like being in church is the attitude that comes with being in church that says, oh yeah, I know what that is. I got that. I, I know what that is. I, I, I live that. But you realize, like even, could a kid understand that? Could a kid understand that? Yeah. And we could spend all fall at the same time diving into this. Because think about all the questions it raises. So we're, we're going to look at the two words for God. But, but so loved, why is it past tense? Why is there a D there and not so loves the world? And, and then when he says the world, doesn't, doesn't the Bible also say that you're supposed to hate the world and everything in it? Doesn't, doesn't the Bible say to be in the world but not of the world? And anyone who's a friend of the world is not a friend of God? So what's that mean? And then it's that he. Why, why is God a he? Like why the masculine? That he gave his one and only son. What? One and only son? What is that? Really? I thought we were all sons and daughters of God. And then why? Why does, does, does Jesus use, why does Jesus call himself the son and God the father? Why not mother, daughter? Or why not mother, son? Right? Or why not father, daughter? I mean, why, why that? That whoever believes, the whoever, Really? Really, what about those who've never heard uh, of Jesus? What about those people? And then believes, what does that mean? Does that mean just agree like on a test? In him, and only him, really? Shall not perish. Ooh, what's that mean? Is perish something that happens after? Is perish that something, is something that happens now? Is hell actually a thing? But have, present tense, eternal life. I thought eternal life was just life in heaven. Why is it present tense? So, for Christians, we come at this verse thinking, oh yeah, yeah, we got that. No, we don't got it. We don't even, we're not even close to got it. And then for those of you that are new to the whole Jesus thing, like, if we could boil it down, this is a pretty good summary. So we thought it worth, so we're going to, here, here's 10 weeks. Are you ready? We're going to do two weeks on for God, so loved the world, he gave his son, whosoever believes shall not perish, but have eternal life. Ten weeks. It's going to be the greatest ten weeks of your life. <laughs> well, we'll, yeah, well, we'll see if you're clapping at the end of ten weeks. Now, so let's start with for God for a second. The word God, now we're going to do a little Greek and Hebrew today, which I know is so exciting. 
The word God in Greek, I will shock some of you to know that the Bible was not written in English. God is not blonde and Caucasian. Uh, well, Jesus certainly isn't. We're not sure what God, God's invisible, so we're not quite sure. Um, but Jesus certainly was not blonde and Caucasian. Um, and, and this was written in Greek. So the Greek word for God is the word theos. Say theos. Theos. And theos is just like our English word God. If I were to take a poll of Americans and said, hey, do you believe in God? Most Americans would say yes, correct? But if you asked follow-up questions about the kind of God they believed in, there'd be a great degree of variation, true? Right. God doesn't tell you much. In fact, here's the dictionary definition. If you're God, how special do you feel? This is, what, this is what you get if you type in God. Any of various beings conceived of as supernatural, not actually supernatural, but just conceived of supernatural, immortal, and having special powers over the lives and affairs of people and the course of nature. So does that, does that clarify in any way, shape, or form what we're talking about when we talk about what God's like? No. The, the English word God is like the Greek word theos. It's just the generic word for some sort of deity. So when we say, yeah, yeah, I believe in God, I mean, yes, that helps clarify that you're not an atheist or whatever, but the kind, that doesn't specify at all who actually it is that we're talking about, right? You, welcome back, sir. <laughs> welcome back. What, what did you have to do? If you don't mind me asking. <laughs> Bathroom? Okay. Coffee? Was it with coffee this morning? Okay. No, I mean, it's all right. One of the reasons, well, okay, forget it. Now, so, so God in, in Greek is just the word theos. It's just the generic word for God. It doesn't tell you anything. It's just a title. Now, let me ask you another question. Is it, are titles different than names? Calling someone by their title is different than calling someone by their name, correct? So I have titles. Um, pastor, which I'd never answer to. Um, let's see, American citizen, titles. Uh, I've, I've written books, so author. Um, a big time Christian celebrity, that would be certainly um, a title that's true. Former Buckeye, yes. Oh. Yes, not former, not former model, yes, former model, for sure. Um, it was always the before picture, I never understood. Uh, but all of those titles, they don't, they're, they're not reflections of my name, right? They're just generic declarations that are true of other things. My name is Mike, and it's technically Michael, if you're mad at me. And, but the more you get to know me, and the more we get to know each other, we never use their title, right? When we refer to each other, never. I mean, my wife doesn't walk around going, hey, fellow American citizen, pick up the, you know. She's like, hey, Mike. Or we have little nicknames that, that will not be shared in this. Um, but it just, sexy bear is what's typically, she calls me. She's not here to dispute that. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so God has lots of titles. And, and when, when John, who's the writer of John 3.16, 
uh, was looking for a way to talk about God. He just used the generic word theos to describe what God is like. But God in the scriptures has a name, not just a title. So if you have a Bible, let's go to the book of Exodus, the very popular book of Exodus towards the beginning of the story. And uh, if you're new to the Bible, everything's up on the screen so you can follow along. This, this is going to get a little tricky, Exodus chapter 3. So in Exodus, the nation of Israel is enslaved. They find themselves enslaved to Egypt. And a guy named Moses gets pulled out of the shepherding industry and told that he's going to go be the rescuer of his people. Now, Moses, like uh, any good ancient Israelite, has a few thoughts and concerns, some negotiation points. So he and the Almighty go back and forth for half a chapter on whether or not Moses should be the guy. And if so, like how, what kind of help is he going to get? Uh, what's his you know, pension uh, in case it goes sideways? I mean, he's got all sorts of, so, sorts of issues. But in verse 13, Exodus chapter 3, he says this to God. He says, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your forefathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What will I tell them? Now, before we get to the name, the reason they would ask that question is this. They lived in Egypt, and they were there for 400 years. And Egypt had tons of gods and goddesses. It was hard to keep them straight. And so one of the ways you learned about how the gods and the goddesses worked is you learned their name. Because names in the ancient Near East weren't just things that you called people. They were expressions of character and destiny. So names, like if you read the Old Testament and you're slogging through it, you're going to read about names, which means this. This town, which means this. This person, which means this. Names were expressions of character and destiny. My, 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 my parents, when they named me Mike, they, they just liked that name. There was nothing, there, there was no Mikeness. They dreamt for me and they called me Mike. Do you understand that? It was just a name. There, it was, and it's important, yes, but there's nothing inherent, there's nothing Mikeness about me as Mike. But in the scriptures, you were named in reflection of your character and the hope for a destiny. Often when God gets a hold of somebody, he'll rename them as an expression of the new destiny God has for them. So names were a big deal. And in ancient Egypt, they're a big deal because all the gods and the goddesses have names and you learn how they work by knowing their names. So Moses says, listen, if I go... And they ask me, what's your name? I can't just say the God of your forefathers. Like, what's your name? Now, God actually gives a name. Not a title, but his name. So here you go. Verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're going to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, how helpful is that? That's, that's horrible. Now, look at this. Go back one slide. I want to look at this big I am who I am. You see that verse 14 down there? Now, this, I am who I am. It sounds like Popeye for those of you that are older, remember? <laughs> for those of you young, it's like, isn't that a chicken place? No, it was a cartoon back in the day. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I am what I am, or some translations, I will be who I will be. Here's the thing. This, this, this t 
title, or this name, excuse me, that God gives himself, here's what it means. Are you ready? I exist. In contrast to all the pretender gods of Egypt, I actually am. I'm real. Like, I'm not caused by anything else. I'm the, I'm the starter of the whole thing. I'm, I'm in, in a more technical phrase, I'm pure sufficiency. I'm the only independent thing in the universe. I actually am. Nice to meet you. Now, if you're Moses, is that helpful? No, and in fact, God makes it a little, a little weirder. Next slide, next verse. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Now, five minutes, tricky stuff. Okay, do you see in verse 15, second sentence, the capital L-O-R-D? Okay, that's another name. When Moses says, hey God, what's your name? God says, I am. When God says to Moses, here's what you are to call me, he gives Moses a name that is the third person form of I am, which means he is. So the capital L-O-R-D, as it gets a little tricky, is actually four Hebrew consonants. Y-H-V-H or W-H. And, and we don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, Americans today pronounce it Yahweh, but we're not quite sure how it's pronounced because the Jews, out of reverence for the name, stopped saying it. So we have no idea how to say it. Because there's a commandment, one of the big ten, that says, do not take my name in vain. So they stopped saying it. But when they did say it, in fact, there was only once a year, the high priest would utter the divine name and all Israel would kneel. Like they had so much. One of the... One of the one of the backward ways of talking about God in the Old Testament is the word Hashem, which just simply means the name. So there are four Hebrew consonants that God gives to Moses, and he says, call me this. They're called the Tetragrammaton, which, you know, if you want to bust that out at a dinner party, go for it. Yeah, well, you know, you, while you were at home watching football, we were studying the Tetragrammaton. So these four letters we think are pronounced Yahweh. And ancient Jewish, Jewish mystics had a field day with this because they, they would teach, like in the Middle Ages, they taught that that was the sound of breathing. So what's the first thing you do when you're born? You breathe. You say the name of God. And what's the last thing you do when you die? You say the name of God. So there, there's all of this massive like tradition around the sacredness of God's name. That's why in English, we use capital L-O-R-D. Whenever you see that, that's translating the name Yahweh, the personal name of God, which means he is. When God refers to himself, what's he use? I am. When we refer to him, we use he is. So when Jesus marches around in the book of John, saying, hey, before Abraham was, I am, what's he doing? Hey, by the way, Yahweh's making a personal appearance right here. It's a huge, huge deal. God's name is such a big deal, 6,800 times in the Hebrew scriptures it's used. And every time you see capital L-O-R-D, that is Yahweh. Now, 
How helpful is this conversation to Moses? Hey God, what's your name? I'm real. Hey God, what should we call you? He's real. Okay, perfect. So what's fascinating about the name, it's not like a nickname, it's not a pet name, it's not an informal name. It's an invitation to relationship and at the same time it communicates unbelievable mystery. And that's the beautiful tension of the scriptures. God is far bigger than our words, our heads, our minds, and yet we can know his name. Now, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're given an offshoot of this name. Go to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Let's do a little Christmas in September. Right? I mean, Christmas decorations are up, I'm sure, somewhere. Go to Matthew, chapter 1. What were you just saying right there? We're talking about Christmas decorations? Oh, okay, good. Good. All I know is that Costco pumpkin pies are out, and that's danger time for this guy. (laughs) I'll eat one of those right now. Right now. Half. And I don't know about you, I I can never just eat it by itself. It's got to have a whipped cream to pie ratio of about three to one. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, we'll go to verse 23. I know, I know. Sorry, Jody. Now, Mary, 14 years old, 13 years old, Holy Spirit shows up, an angel shows up and says, Hey, 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 I know you're a virgin and I know you're engaged to be married, but guess what? You're going to get pregnant and Joseph's not going to be involved. And so Mary's like, oh, okay, sure. Joseph, on the other hand, when Mary shows up pregnant, is, is going, um, I know how biology works, and I'm not quite sure the whole God did it card is going to fly. So he has in mind uh, to divorce her. And, uh, but it, as he considered this, this is verse, what, 20? But as... After uh, Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is actually from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name what? Yeah, that always the right answer in church. Give him the name Jesus. Now, uh, did the angel speak English? Oh, most likely the angel spoke Hebrew. Uh, or Aramaic, one of the two. But Jesus is the English translation of a really beautiful Hebrew word. And that Hebrew word is the combination of two other words, and we would say it's something like Yeshua. Yeah, that comes from the divine name, the sacred name Yahweh. Shua means saves. So you shall give him the name Yahweh saves, Because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is how we say it in English. Yahshua, Greek, Hebrew, Yeshua is how we would say it. Now, here's what's fascinating. In the scriptures, God God has many titles. But we get a name in the Old Testament, the covenant name that they were to call God, Yahweh. And then when Jesus shows up, When Jesus shows up, you are to give him the name Yahweh 
saves. Why? Because names weren't just random. God wasn't up there going, yeah, 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 I really like the name Jesus. I've always liked it. I heard it once, and I'm like, you know, I think that'd be a cute baby name. No, this was his destiny to be Yahweh saves on planet Earth. Now, back to John 3.16. Go ahead and just, you don't have to turn there. Just go ahead and put it up on the screen. So when John is using Greek to write to non-Jewish people, can he use the word Yahweh? No, because they're going to be like, what? They don't even know how to read Hebrew. So when he uses the word, he uses the word theos, which is just the generic name for God, correct? Now what's fascinating is in Christian circles, we've got a whole branch of study derived from the word theos. What's it called? Theology. And the point we want to make this morning is simply this. Can you know theology and not know Yahweh? Can you know theology and not know Yeshua? Absolutely. See, what's fascinating is American Christianity, in my mind, at least some expressions of it, has been hijacked by the study of theos and not a relationship with Yahweh and his son Yahshua. Right? We, so what begins to happen? I mean, you can, you can pass multiple choice tests and God will say, I never knew you. You can have all the information about what God is like. You can have every right answer on the divine quiz and still not know him. Because there's a difference about knowing about somebody and knowing somebody, correct? And so what has happened in some forms of American Christianity is we've made theology the issue and not a relationship with Yahweh and his son Yahshua. And, 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 and believe me, I'm a huge fan of theology. I love it. I study it. I read it. I devour it. I teach it. We all have a theology. It all matters. Your view of God absolutely is critical. But far too many of us stop right there. And two incredibly tragic things happen when we elevate theology to the neglect of knowing Yahweh and Yahshua, right? Two really damaging things happen. The first damaging thing is this. We think that being a Christian just means we're rearranging our mental furniture, Okay, so I got to have the right belief about spiritual gifts, and I got to have the, the, the right doctrine uh, um, about communion. I've got to have the right doctrine about the Trinity, and I've got to have the right doctrine about evolution and creation. I got to have the right, and, and we make the entire thing. The Bible becomes a book of information to settle debates. The Bible becomes this exercise in making sure the mental furniture, the the believings of our brains, all lines up correctly. And, and is that important? It's absolutely important. But for many, that's all it is. It stops there. It's like the Bible, the teachings of Jesus are not teachings to be studied. They're teachings to be obeyed. A guy named Francis Chan uses this beautiful analogy. He's like, hey, uh, you know the game Simon Says, right? Simon Says, uh, pat your head. We do it. Thank you. We just do it. Right? Pat your stomach. Uh, right? So, Simon says it's a game of doing what Simon says and not doing what Simon doesn't say. When it comes to Jesus, there's no game of Jesus says. There's the game of let's study what Jesus says. Right? So, so Jesus says love your enemies. 
So let's hear some great talks on what loving your enemies could mean and what loving your enemies could look like. And what, let's get inspired about, yes, we should love our enemies. And then we go out and we just kind of do whatever we do. We come back hoping for a new nugget, a new revelation, a new piece of juicy like life wisdom. But that, that's kind of like my son, who's 13, when I say, hey, Nate, go clean your room. Imagine if Nate came back an hour later and said, hey, Dad, I memorized what you said. <laughs> you said, and I quote, clean your room. And not only that, we gathered together a small group of people and we were talking about the difficulties of cleaning your room and what might cleaning your room look like for my life today. And, and, I, and I know the clean your room, I've even written a talk encouraging other people to do this. Right? Now what am I going to say? Clean your stink. Who cares about all this other stuff, right? Similarly, Jesus walks around saying stuff like this. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Anybody who calls, or, or he'll say, I mean, he'll say this. He'll say, on the last day, there will be those of you who call me Lord and have done miracles in my name, but I will say I never knew you. See, we think, again, and it's only a part of us, and I fall into this camp. I'm tempted to be in this camp, the rearranging mental furniture camp, the getting hung up on theology and losing sight of a relation with Yahshua. We think getting into heaven is like passing the DMV exam. All right, got, I got metaphors and similes like crazy today. When I moved out here from the great city of Ohio, I went to the DMV. In Ohio, the DMV is not a, it's, it's not hell. It's not, it's, you, you, you show up when it opens and you do, I didn't, so I show up, it says the Costa Mesa DMV opens at eight. I didn't realize you had to get there at five in the morning. And I didn't realize there was just hatred everywhere, in every direction. And so I'm standing for two hours to just ask a question. I get, what do I have to do to get my California driver's license? Simple, you have to take a written test. Oh, oh, okay, where do I do that? Over there. How long's that line? Two and a half hours. What, where's the written material? Here's a book. Fantastic. You don't test me on how I really drive? Nope. Just pass the written test. So, I walk over with my book, and I memorize my book for two and a half hours. I should be eight feet from the car in front of me, and then the, the, the bike lane ends 20 feet from the stop sign. And I, you know, I mean, just all the stuff, right, that we all knew at one point and have since forgotten. <laughs> That's over two and a half hours. I sit, and I memorize the book, and I, and I, I take the test. And I'm a great, I'm a great memorizer, so I, I passed. It was fantastic. And I drove home with a California driver's license after six hours of joy. It was fantastic. We, those of us who stop at the study of theos, the, the theology, and we miss the whole relationship part, we're like people that think that the afterlife works just like that. That as long as you've studied the book, it doesn't matter how you actually drove. As long as you know the right answers, whether or not you actually lived them and deeply believed them is irrelevant. 
but I memorized the book. Jesus says, no, 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 I'll tell you what the life to come is like. Show up at a party, and if the host knows you, he lets you in. If the host doesn't know you, you're not. I mean, a completely different image. So I'm banging away at those of us like me who love the information. Oh, I love the debates, and I love this, and, I do, 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 and that's beautiful, and we need it, and do it. But so many of us stop there. And the tragic thing, one of the tragic things that happens when we stop there is we may miss out on the whole point to begin with. The second tragic thing that happens, for those of us who stop there, is that we lose any sense of awe and wonder. We somehow think, I got this. I know this, right? John 3.16, I got it. Oh, another, another, another sermon on prayer. <sighs> I've heard so many sermons on prayer. Well, how are you praying? I've heard so many sermons on love your enemies. Well, how's that going? I've, well, I've been tempted to preach the same message for eight weeks in a row. And just to see, number one, if anyone notices, because I have no idea if you guys, if this is even worth your time. But secondly, to wait until we actually come back with stories of us actually doing what it is that we talked about, right? Now, I'm not talking about whether you're in or out. I'm not talking about some sort of burdensome legalism. I'm just saying this. When we talk about for God, who are we talking about? Not a generic English word, not the general Greek word. We're talking very specifically about the God who is Yahweh and his son who is called Yahweh saves. The problem, however, is that there is a stream of Christian thought that spends too much time thinking and getting our theosology all straightened out and arranged correctly, and that matters, but that's not the point of the thing. I can know all sorts of information about my wife, but still not know her, correct? So the invitation is for those of us who are disciples of Jesus to dedicate ourselves to study, to dedicate ourselves to learning, to walk with a humility that doesn't say, yeah, yeah I got this, but that instead walks saying, man, I've got so much to learn. I've got so much more room to grow. I've got so, I, to, to approach the most familiar verse in the Bible saying, I cannot wait to learn what this means, right? What drives us as Jesus followers is the realization that he's real, but we'll never be able to fully figure him out. We can know him, but we'll never reach the bottom of, oh yeah, I got it. Never, never. So this 10 weeks, for those of us who follow Jesus, is an exercise in unlearning what we think we know in order to learn more. Do you understand this? We're not DMV people. We're banquet people. We want to show up and say, oh yeah, 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 I heard from you this morning. I'm, I'm tired of hearing from you. I mean, you, we, we want the host, right? We want to be people of Yahshua, not people of Yahshua's book or information about him. We use the book to be with him. Make sense? Now, for those of you that are not Jesus followers, what does this mean for you? How many of you have wrestled with how God is portrayed in the Old Testament? A few of us? Okay, there's like four, and I highly doubt that. <laughs> Bonnie, you can't wrestle. You're, you're going to teach. You can't, you're supposed to have all the answers, Bonnie. That's a huge, huge question, right? Why does God command genocide? Why does God zap somebody that's just trying to stabilize the ark? Why does God seem so angry? 
Like, why is he always like, hey, let's just, you guys have a minor disobedience. Let's zap you with a plague and 20,000 Israelites die. Right? I mean, he just seems so different than who we see in Jesus. The, hey, love your enemies. <laughs> Pick up your cross. Follow me kind of God. Right? And one of the things when we talk about the relationship between Yahweh and Yahshua is this. Go ahead and fire up that last slide. We made this point, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago. The New Testament says this about Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of over all creation. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the what? The exact representation of what God's like. And then Jesus will just walk around. He says this in a lot of different ways, but anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. One of the answers that we have to people like us have huge questions is simply this. All of the pictures in the Old Testament scriptures were partial and incomplete. They represented parts of God's character, but not fullness. Paul says a zillion times. No, no, no. The fullness is in Christ. The clearest picture is in Christ. That's what God has always been like. Yahshua is what Yahweh is like. When Yahweh makes a personal appearance. When Yahweh gets up in the morning and put clothes on, he looks like Jesus. Do you understand this? And yes, I have all sorts of questions about other stuff in the scriptures. I get that, and those are great conversations. But for those of you that are outside the whole Jesus following thing, what you need to hear is when you hear the word God, you think of Christ. When you hear the word Christ, you're supposed to think of God. You don't start with some abstract, oh yes, God is the unmoved mover, and he is, uh, he is uh, omnipresent, and he's omnibenevolent, and he's omnipotent, and that's Greek stuff. Hebrews, you start with a name. To Jewish thought, you start with a name. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. And as Jesus turns out, Jesus is the most amazing person that's ever walked planet Earth. So God turns out to be pretty amazing. Right? Because when Yahweh makes a personal appearance in Yahshua, What's he doing? He's eating with sinners. He's healing the sick. He's restoring sight to the blind. He's casting out demonic spirits. He's rebuking those who've got hung up on theology and have missed him. Right? So for us, brothers and sisters, we'll boil this down very simply. If you want to know what God is like, Any image of God that does not start with a bread and a cup and a cross and an empty tomb isn't starting at the right place. That's the clearest picture of who God is and what God is like and what we then are to do in response. That's it. That's the whole game right there. All the questions are great. Let's talk about them. Let's wrestle with them. we got huge theology to talk about for the next 10 weeks. It's going to be phenomenal. But don't ever let that sidetrack you from the simple realization that Jesus has come to rescue you, to love you, to save you, to renew you, to transform you, to call you to lay down anything unworthy of him so that you can pick up more of him. And that this, 
All the images of God that you have, all the images of God you've gotten from Christians that are gnarly or, or uh, from, from philosophies of the world or whatever it is, all the images of God that don't start here, we just want to get rid of those. They could be partially true, but they're not the fullness of what God's heart is actually like. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to come to the table this morning like we always do. We have these stations around the room that have bread. We wish it were wine. It's juice. And we have gluten-free options over here, always. Um, and, and we do this. Today, I want you to do this. For those of you that come, I want you to take it in recollection, recollection, recollection of this is who, when it says, for God so loved, this is the God we're talking about. The God that took on human flesh, the God that drew near to the brokenhearted, the God that would eat with sinners, the God that gave God self for you and for me. That's who we're talking about. The bread and the cup, that is the very essence and the, the most central picture of what God is like. All other picture is secondary to that one. And so, we invite you, wherever you are, whatever you call yourself, wherever you're coming from, we just believe that God invites all to come uh, to worship, and he'll take the smallest little bit of faith you got and he'll receive it. And so um, we practice something called open communion, which means we're not checking IDs and uh, spiritual lives at the door. We just invite people to come up, however you are, wherever you are. No pressure in doing that. No one's keeping track. But these stations will be open for you to take the bread, to dip it, and to do this, according to the scriptures, in remembrance of Jesus and anticipation of his coming again. The other thing we do during this time is we'll have some folks around the stations who are just, uh, so Carrie's going to be over here. Who's over here today? Elaine? So Elaine's over here, and we've got some more folks that I can't really see over here. But these are just folks wearing black t-shirts that are totally available to pray with you. Now, some people think this is a takeout meal. And we'll never, we'll never bust your chops for this, but it's kind of like grab communion and leave. God bless you, you're going to miss shaved eye social, which is incredibly spiritually significant. But our, our goal is that you would take time to respond because we're not quite done yet. So communion, prayer, um, we have participation boxes. We are entirely funded by the gifts and donations of people. And, and, um, and so there are many of us who worship in this way. And if you want to do it, our participation boxes are there. And then the last thing, um, uh, we're going to do some more singing. And so if you want to stand, feel free to stand. Um, if you want to sit, feel free to sit. We're, we're just thrilled uh, to be together. However we are together today is great. So let me pray for us and then we'll go, okay? Okay, you guys are just thankful it's over. I can feel that right now. So God, our English word just doesn't do you justice. We call people uh, rock gods or uh, people that are beautiful, we call them gods and goddesses. We just, that English word just doesn't do it justice. But to say the word Yahweh, to say the word Jesus, whose names mean something to so many of us. And we desire God to take the information that we know and to step into it and to trust it, to grow in relationship with you.
that this isn't a religious thing, this isn't a heady thing, this is like an all-encompassing thing. And so, Lord, I also pray for those of us that have images of you that don't line up with what Jesus is like and what Jesus was doing. The fact that he was angry, the fact that he was compassionate, the fact that he was loving and kind, the fact that he was holy and righteous. God, we, we want the, the idea of God to be filled by the reality of Christ. And so this morning we take the bread and the cup as an act of rebellion against all the false ideas that come with the generic word God. And we pledge ourselves to you afresh this morning and ask that you'd receive us in the name of this Jesus. Amen. So if you'd stand or remain standing, whatever the case may be. Um, we're so glad you're here today, and I uh, want to invite you to do a couple things as you leave. Um, number one, and most spiritually significant, it's a shaved ice social. So grab some shaved ice on the way out. Number two, um, sign up for kickball. We need to know how many are coming, who's in, who's not in. Like, this is, this is deeply spiritual stuff we're about here, okay? Um, just a picture of the trophy and, uh, and, and sign up. Because it's so important. Uh, and, and then the last thing is, um, we'd love to hear from you. Our, our big dream is to be unashamedly Jesus-centered, but to remove so many of the obstacles from folks who have felt alienated by the community, by the church community, or have just never been brought into its circle. And particularly if you're new, we'd love to know um, what you think, and it's not because we're, we're looking for focus groups, but it, it's more that we want to detach what following Jesus actually means from what following Christianity has become. And, um, and so to the best we can, we, we want to arrange our times together in ways that really facilitate that. So we always are interested in your thoughts. Uh, I want to bless you as we go. And uh, yep, Rhonda, that's it. I want, I'm going to bless everyone but you uh, and your team. Uh, Jesus, may Ohio State be victorious. <laughs> we know you love them. No, um, no, this will be this. This will be a real blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine His face upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance to you, and in these days, may He give you peace. So we're thrilled that you're here. Let's hang out. See you next time. We've got a Nirvana shirt here in the front row, which is epic. Epic. All right. So yes. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Box Community Podcast. Participate in the Box Community at boxoc.com participate.